Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 through 35 say this. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this day. God, I just thank you that we get to be here today, Lord, that we get to worship you, that we get to sing praises to your name. Father, as we enter into this holiday season, God, that we, re we remember, God, who it is we celebrate and why we celebrate, God, that it is you. It is the fact, Lord, that you sent your son to this earth, God, to reveal these hidden things to us, to teach us these things, to show us, God, your kingdom. And so, Father, let your kingdom come. God, I just pray, God, that your kingdom would be here, God, that we would be doing your will. God, that as we praise you, as we worship you, Lord, that we would see you more clearly. God, I just pray that you would speak to us. God, teach us through Chris. Lord, let every word he says, God, be from you. We thank you for all that you do, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, grace and peace to you, church. It's good to see you guys. Um, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, and uh, we just got back on Friday night. Some of you call it Saturday morning, but, you know, about 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Um, in the morning. But, man, we are excited to be back from um, a time away, getting to see our daughter Shelby in Thailand, and just a, so time of vacation in New Zealand. But one of the things that I, I remember being on this first flight, leaving um, right after the banquet and having an opportunity just to ask the Lord, Lord, can you just teach me... So things about myself on this trip, right? Just getting away, refreshing with the Lord. And he taught me a, a lot of things, but I'm just going to share a few of them with you. The first thing I, I, just, I just learned, God is amazing. Anybody excited about that? God is amazing. He is creative. He is so kind. Um, you know, we get a chance to visit um, some incredible things, see some beautiful things. The most beautiful thing I saw on the entire trip was this, right? Isn't she so beautiful? Man, I got to see my daughter. She's just created this life in Thailand. Has never been so excited to order food and to hear my swati and see my daughter just speaking the language and just fully immersed in the church family and, and ministry and doing those things there. It was an amazing time just getting to see her. It was, again, heart-wrenching to leave. Um, seeing my 25-year-old just serving the Lord in Thailand was just such a blessing. But Man, one of the things that God is so creative, I have never seen as many different colors of water as I saw on this trip, right? Hashtag no filters, okay? This is Thailand, PP Island, right? We got a chance to go visit and snorkel in this water, right? That, that water is crazy. All right, here's another picture of this little beach that we swam to in between all of these little cliffs. And there's like this little hidden beach. And we're on this like long boat and just got to swim out there. It was incredible. It was beautiful. Then we went to New Zealand. And that place is amazing. If you, you know your screensaver, I was probably in New Zealand, okay? It's just, it's like those places are real. I didn't realize those places were actually real. They are beautiful. There are no straight roads there. But it is, it is beautiful, right? This is a Tasman Glacier Lake, right, that just this incredibly, like, greenish, bluish water that looks like it's something out of, like, like did someone dye that water that color? Like, what is going on there? Um, then we went to another place in, called Queens, Queenstown. 
all right, where we hiked up to this place where we got a chance to overlook the lake and to see this beautiful blue water. And um, I might look happy in this picture, but we hiked four miles, 1,450 feet vertical. So I wouldn't say the trip was relaxing, but it was refreshing, all right, because my wife is in shape. I am A-shape. And so... um, (laughs) We hiked nine miles the first day, then we hiked nine miles the next day, then we did four miles straight up in the air. I mean, it, it was amazing. A lot of hiking, a lot of sore muscles, but man, what God is so creative. He didn't have to make these places look so beautiful. He didn't have to make food taste good. You just got done with Thanksgiving. I ate honey soy chicken chips because I was on the road in an RV. I didn't get a turkey, but man, isn't it amazing that our God is so creative Given us an opportunity to experience him through the things that were made. Another thing that I, I just learned about myself on the trip is I missed you guys. I miss worshiping here on Sunday morning. I got a chance to go to church in Thailand and, and got a chance just to see God's creation. But it's just different being with your fam. Being with the people that you love. I mean, Jonathan, the worship team, do an amazing job. Man, I miss you guys. I mean, thank you so much to our staff who just... Hold the ship down, do incredible things. You know, Chad for preaching this last week. And, and Jayden, I gave him such an easy topic to preach on. It was like, blast me the Holy Spirit. Super easy. Um, but, man, I was just so thankful for those guys just feeling in. You know, another thing I learned myself, about myself is I have this, like, underlying stress that's been, like, under the surface for quite a while that I don't think I realize I have. I, I don't really feel like I'm a stressful guy. But we also, I drove on the wrong side of the road, Okay, maybe it's not the wrong side. It's the left side. Sorry, David. It's the left side of the road. Um, But have you driven on the left side of the road in an RV around the mountains? It's like there's a roundabout. Okay, let's go, right? I mean, it was just like everything took so much focus to drive. And I have to tell you, I can't even, you can ask Tara how, maybe 50 times I turned on the windshield wipers because the, the windshield wipers are on this side. And the blinkers on this side. And I would be like, all right, going to turn left. Oh, no. And I mean, over and over. And I would just hear this chuckle next to me. Okay. Right? But I mean, I finally got it the last day. And then I came home. But I, I was okay coming this morning. I didn't use my blinkers this morning just to make sure. But I mean, it was just interesting. I didn't realize that I had this kind of underlying stress. Like, is the plane going to get delayed? Are we going to be rescheduled? Yes, we were. We went all the way. I mean, it's... Things happen, but I just didn't, I never really realized how much just underlying worry I had. And it was so refreshing just to let go. And just to be like, you know what? It's an adventure. If the RV breaks down, okay, right? And it's an adventure walking across the road because you don't realize that you always just kind of check this way and take off. Wrong idea. Wrong idea. They're coming from this way. So you're like, wait, okay. Okay, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just a different adventure. But Man, what if we were to take every little thing that came up in life as an adventure, right? And that just, just something that God was just teaching me, like, that just lay down that stress. Is God in control or not? Do I believe that he has the best plan for my life, even if it's hard? Yes, so I have to trust him in that. You know, another thing that I, I just learned about myself is, like, I love to teach the Bible. I mean, I mean, Jay, y'all did a great job, but, man, I miss being here and just teaching God's word. And, and a verse that I kept going to over and over just in my time of reading was in Titus. And it was this encouragement that the Lord gave to me 
through Paul. And then Paul is this servant of God. Look what he says in Titus chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God. Isn't it amazing to be a servant of the Lord? Just to be someone that gets a chance to know better as a one day in his court than a thousand elsewhere. Just to be a, just to be a part of who God is. And a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of our God and Savior. Man, I just, I'm so blessed to know that God has told us we need to teach the word of God. We need to be bold about what God's word says. And, and it was such an encouragement to me on this trip as I was just reading through scripture and just, just pondering over these things that God wants us to teach the word to people and what a calling that it is. And, and it's, a, it's a waiting calling. We're going to see that at the end of these parables we're going to be talking about today. And so we're going to dive in. We're in chapter 13, which is like a parable chapter, right? It's got all of these parables and all of these stories, these sort of fictitious stories that give us this, this underlying spiritual truth that we need to follow. And so we're going to be in verse 44. And, and here's what it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And so automatically I started thinking, okay, but what, where has this been taught before? Because Jesus has a particular teaching style that he's using here. We've seen Jesus use this thing where he kind of gives us this truth statement, right? He teaches us something, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. He would teach us this something. Then he would give us a parable or a story that kind of illustrated that point. Then we would see this kind of real-life example play out. And we're going to see this real-life example of what's being taught here in this hidden treasures play out in chapter 19, which a rich young ruler and played out with the, the um, apostles later on. You're going to see these things begin to play out with them. But then he wants us to make it personal. What would I do? Well, how would this affect me? Because it's, it's a lot easier saying, oh, well, I see how they do that over here. But it's different when it gets real. Oh, I have to be the one who actually gives up everything to find this treasure. I have to be the one who does it. So let's look back. Look back at chapter 6. This is the first time in the book of Matthew we see this word treasure sort of show up. Jesus is teaching them in verse 19, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the question is, we have this treasure. It isn't just physical things because moth and rust destroy those things. There's other things that we can treasure that are indestructible. So the question is, if we were to make it personal, in our heart, what is ultimate? What, is, what do we treasure in our heart? If we had a, a cabinet that showed what we treasured, what would be on the throne of your heart? Is it Jesus? Or is it Jesus and me and comfort and safety? What would be numero uno in your heart and in your mind? Is it Jesus? Is he the thing that we treasure most? Because what we treasure, their heart will be also. And then if you fast forward to chapter 12, Jesus teaches them again. This is right after, as Jaden brought the, the word about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, Jesus brings up this teaching about the tree that's there, right? So chapter 12, he says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, 
or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. In other words, don't be lukewarm. Like, make a choice. Is Jesus Lord? Are you going to produce good fruit or are you going to produce evil? Make that choice. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's very narrow. Choose Jesus, right? And then he gets, says this, you brood of vipers. Now, remember, when you read the Bible, don't read it in that like, you brood of vipers, how can you? I mean, don't read it in that monotone, boring way. This is alive. Jesus is challenging them for what they have said about him. Right? They have just said that he's doing these things by the power of the devil. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of what we pour into our heart, the things that we treasure and we let live in our heart, out of the overflow of that, our mouth will speak. So as you face in trials and you face hard things, your heart will overflow with emotion. And out of that comes the words that you speak, the actions that you do. What are you filling your heart with? If Jesus is, is the top, Jesus is the ultimate, then as you speak, you're going to speak with grace. You're going to speak scripture. You're going to speak truth that comes out. If you're filling your heart and your mind with things that aren't of the Lord, then when that thing overflows, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be something that you don't particularly want to come out in those situations. So what are we treasuring? What are we filling our life with? This is the teaching that Jesus gives them in this. It says a good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. And an evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I'll tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. But this idea of treasure, this idea of out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth will speak. This isn't just a New Testament Matthew teaching. Go back. If you go back to Proverbs chapter 2, we see this incredible challenge about wisdom, right? Go there with me. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So here's the challenge, right? When we fill up our heart, when we treasure things, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, so not just receive them, but elevate them, treasure them, if you give your ear attentive to wisdom, if you're willing to listen, right, if you incline your heart to understanding, are you wanting to understand the things that you see in the, word, in the word? Yes, if you call out for insight, if you pray and ask God for wisdom, he is faithful to give us. If you lack wisdom, as James says, ask and he will be given to you. Your Father gives good gifts. He said, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for hidden treasure, that every time you get in the word, it's like searching national treasure version to try to find the clues that connect to the things that give you the truth of who Jesus is. So if we seek of that, then we'll understand the fear of the Lord. Now listen, this is difficult. We have a fear of the Lord problem. We, we, we really love love, don't we? 
We love the idea that Jesus loves us, but we don't often embrace the idea that we're supposed to fear the Lord. You see, there's a healthy version of fear. I know we've taught ourselves in our society to, like, get rid of fear. We shouldn't fear things, but I hope that my kids, when they were young, feared water. I know my son Tyler did not fear water one time. like, oh, a pool, and just ran and dove into the deep end. He couldn't swim. Guess who dove in right after him? Fully clothed, phone in the pocket, because he was more valuable than my phone, right? But, man, we want our kids to have a, a fear of, of fire and what it can do to them. So there's a caution there. I had fear driving on the left side of the road, right? That's a healthy fear to make me focus and concentrate on what I was doing. Do we have a healthy fear of the Lord? Do you understand that God is going to hold us accountable to knowing his son, Jesus Christ, or not? Do you have faith in Jesus? Or do you have Jesus along with hope of you're a good person, along with hope of, like, you're nice to people? Like, what, what do you put in your hope in? If it's Jesus and something else, we're falling short. Because Jesus is the treasure that we should be seeking after. See, we will understand the fear of the Lord, and in that fear, find the knowledge of God. And so as we jump into this parable, right, we see this idea of treasure being, being thrown out there. And we've seen this teaching of Jesus. Let's dive into it. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. And so as we look at the story, the question is, what is this treasure hidden in the field, right? There's different opinions upon this. Some people think that we're the treasure and that Jesus, he forsook everything. He, he sold everything. He gave everything in order to win us back. And that's a beautiful picture. But in my opinion, that's not what this parable is teaching because Jesus didn't like stumble upon us and be like, oh, you guys need some help. I guess I'm going to help you. This was God's plan from the very beginning was Jesus Christ to come and die upon the cross for our sins. The, the better idea that I see in this this idea is that, that Jesus is the treasure. And that when we find this treasure, what are we willing to give up in order to, to get this treasure? And it wasn't that uncommon in this time for people to have treasures hidden out on their property. In fact, they didn't have safety deposit, box, safety deposit boxes or, or a fireproof safe. or They didn't have secure storage rooms for them to put their valuables in. So it was very common to hide their treasures on their property. We see this in the Old Testament. People hiding stuff under their tent and, and other things like that as well. And so we see this idea. But then when calamity comes or, or the, a battle begins to come, they would run. And sometimes they would forget where that treasure was, was located. And that treasure would be out in the field. And here this man stumbles upon this treasure, but he doesn't take it right away. Because the treasure belongs to the owner of the land. And so he goes and he, and he takes everything that he does and he sells it gladly in order to buy this field. Are we willing to give up everything to find that treasure in the field? Or do we have these other things competing for our affection? And so to make it personal, what is something that we treasure that competes with Jesus? So think about that in your life. What are some things that compete for your affections? One of the things that I, that I thought about was, man, our image. Our, our image sometimes competes for our affection, right? Our pride or our, our self-focus or our self-reliance begins to compete with Jesus for number one 
in our life. And so as I was on my trip this last week, couple weeks, I had read this book called The Awe of God by John Bevere. And he makes an interesting statement in there about image, right? It's one of the things that he talks about in this idea. And he gives us three categories for how we view ourselves, right? And these three categories are these, right? First of all, we have a projected image. I want you to imagine that, like, I plugged a projector into my heart, and boom, on the screen, I projected the story of Chris Smith's life. The edited, like, highlight version of, like, this awesome um, goal I scored when I was six years old, or, or this football game that we won, or this mission trip that we went on, or this baptism that we got a chance to do in the cold this morning between services. Like, there's a highlight version of my life. This is the projected image. This is how I want people to see me, a.k.a. this is social media. This is the world that we live in. People give a projected image. Sometimes, if we're honest, it's okay to be honest in here. This is Sunday morning, isn't it? We come, y'all, are, y'all, are all, y'all don't always look this good, do you? Like, sometimes we're sweaty. Sometimes we're dirty. I, we sometimes, on Sunday morning, come in and project. Anybody, okay, I've done this. Okay, I was going to say, not that I've done this, I've done this. Anybody been, like, screaming at your kids in the car, and you're like, get to church, like, shh. We're the perfect family, right? We just kind of come in. Everybody's happy, right? I don't know why they're crying in the nursery. It might have been your drive there, right? But we, we just have this kind of projected image that we sometimes put out there for people to see. And we, we took 100 selfies. We picked the best three. We put them out there. This is me. But then there's another type of image. There's this perceived image, right? If I were to plug in, project my life, and you saw the movie My Life, some of you would like it. Some of you might not like it. If we're honest, like, some of you, you would look at my life and go, like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that guy. Barefoot all the time. Kind of a little bit, you know, a little strange, right? I've heard some rumors, and we have this perceived image. People might see our projected image, but view it differently based upon what they know, their experiences, those sort of things with us in our life. But then we have the reality. This is who we really are. We have this reality, and see, here's the problem. When we project an image that doesn't meet our reality, it causes insecurity, doesn't it? It causes us to wonder. You see, when the projected image is more important to us than reality, it causes us to start compromising our our beliefs. It causes us to start thinking of being a people pleaser. How can I project the right image to people so that they will like me? Or perhaps the perceived image, we start worrying about what people think about us. It causes stress and this anxiety. It causes all these things to they're worried about how people view us. But here's the beauty of it. What is the reality of who we are? We are made in the image of God. Isn't that amazing? Remember I told you earlier, God is creative. God is amazing. He's so kind of, that you were made by God with a purpose. God doesn't make mistakes. Does God make mistakes? That means you're not a mistake. He made you with a purpose and a plan that you are made in the image of God. But listen, we're still a work in progress. Like the movie isn't quite finished yet, is it? There maybe hasn't been that finishing conclusion to our story yet. Some of our stories are just beginning. Some of our stories, we've been here for a while, right? We should have fixed this already. But we're all this work in progress. But here's the beauty. When we focus on who God has made us to be, it creates in us humility. Who are we that... God would take notice of us. It creates a desire for godliness. I want to be more like you, Jesus. 
in the way that we live, in the way that I live my life. See, we have to be careful. We can't let our image be ultimate in our life. We have to let Jesus, what he says about us, be that. Let me give you an illustration of that, right? So if I were to give you like an illustration, a projected image of the trip to New Zealand, it might be something like this, right? Here's a picture of Tara jumping um, in, maybe this, the caption, soaring through New Zealand, right? Maybe that's our picture. Here's a picture of me soaring through New Zealand, right? Yeah, nice, right? Pretty awesome, right? Flying up there like this would be, if I, if I had really did anything on social media, this is what I'd be put out there, soaring through New Zealand, right? Now, if we were to look at those pictures, you see those pictures, you might see something different, right? If you look back at Tara's picture, you might be like, wow, she's kind of buff. Right? She's not even working out. Or, hey, that shadow kind of looks like a frog, <laughs> right? You might be like, hey, you know, did she, ju- did she jump high? She just bent her knees? Like, you know, oh, you might, you perceive something different in that picture. Go back to my picture. Maybe you look at the picture like, wow, that guy can jump. Or, hey, I bet she jumped off that rock right there, Right? Or, hey, this is fake. I don't even see a shadow on this picture. I bet you it's like photoshopped. He put the, the, the screen, the, the light flare in there. It's produced. It can't be real. Right? Or what's with his awkward left hand? It looks bigger than everything else. Like, that's just kind of weird, right? And so, like, you might perceive this picture, even though I'm soaring. I'm like, look at me, right? You might perceive it differently than I meant to project it to you. But if we were to jump into reality, right, here's reality, okay? You want to see reality in action? Yeah. Okay? That's reality, okay? I'm old, Okay, I think I'm still athletic, but I'm not, right? I'm jumping on the rocks, bad idea. Right before I jump, my wife's like, don't hurt yourself. We're like on day three. Again, I'm like, I'm going to be great. Maybe I'm going to be great. I don't even jump. I just kind of like sort of gracefully fall off of a tall rock, right? But I snapped a picture, right? I, are you showing it again? <laughs> Oh, my God. Good thing the volume's off because in the background you'd hear my wife just start laughing, right? <laughs> right? But I had to laugh at myself too because I could either take this reality and go like, oh, my, nobody needs to see this picture. Delete, right? Get it off there. Or I'm going to say, you know what? Opportunity to go swimming. I'm wet already. I'm already freezing cold. Let me go get a few strokes in, right? So went out and I started, I started swimming. Not for very long. It was freezing, right? But, um, man, every time that we have the reality that, that sometimes doesn't always look in the projected the same way it looks in the reality, it's an opportunity. Like, I fell awkwardly, gracefully, something. I fell, and I just like, okay, here's an opportunity to laugh at myself. Here's an opportunity for humility. Here's an opportunity to, to choose a different adventure in my life. You see, when I think back on my trip, I'm like, man, these things were so amazing. I'm focused on these beautiful things. Not everything in our trip worked perfectly. Not everything in our trip was, went according to plan. Not every one of my expectations got met in that thing. But I'm going to choose to be thankful. I'm going to choose to remember the things that glorify the Lord. I'm going to choose to give grace in those situations that maybe they didn't mean to hurt me, but they did hurt me. I'm going to show grace. See, this is what it means for us to have Jesus as our treasure. He's the filter by which our emotions and our thoughts and our, and our desires are played out, that we put them in perspective, where he says, be joyful always, even when you fall. 
Be thankful in all circumstances, even when you're cold and you have to go change. Right? Be thankful. And we have this awesome opportunity coming off of Thanksgiving, being thankful, coming into a season of Christmas where we get to celebrate Jesus. And people are more open to talk about Jesus at Christmas time than they are at any other time of the year. Because they want to celebrate this, this wonderful season that we have. We have an opportunity to live out our reality before people. And it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not make every perfect decision. But instead, let Jesus be the ultimate thing. That everything that we do, we glorify him in it. So let's not get caught so up so much in how we project our life to other people. Because we don't want that disparity between reality and projection to cause sin to come into our life. Instead, let's just live for Christ. And whatever happens and whatever comes our way, we praise the Lord. We give him thanks. We show grace. We live out that. That's what it means to truly find this treasure, that it changes the way that we view life. Our life is now seen through a lens which glorifies him. And so this is this, this parable. Are you going to seek after Jesus or are you going to hold on to your stuff? And then he, he reiterates this idea and this next parable says again, the kingdom of heaven is like. So it gives us another analogy very similar to the first one. And so he's kind of doing something interesting here. And he's doing this sort of mirror thing, right? And we had this parable of the sower, right, which talked about how we receive the word. Do we let it produce fruit in our life? And then after that, he tells us the, the parable of the weeds. Remember Chad talked about this last week, where the weeds and, and the wheat are together and it has to harvest, has to come. And then he talks about the mustard seed and the leaven. And then he starts mirroring those things with two short parables about treasure. These negative things, leaven that makes the whole dough now leaven. And now he talks about treasure. Talks about this mustard seed where the birds come in, and birds are always negative in the Bible, right? These birds come in and make their nest, and their sin comes into this growth because we're not careful. And now he talks about this pearl that is being get a pearl of great value. Look what it says in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. And this sounds crazy. Aren't we supposed to diversify? Aren't we supposed to not put all of our eggs in one basket? Aren't we supposed to have like a little bit here, a little bit there, and have this, give us this security? But here's what he says. There's one pearl of great price. There's one thing that's more valuable than anything else, and all of our hope goes into that, and that's Jesus. That none of our hope can be in our actions. All of it's found in Jesus, that we sell everything. It's all worth it because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus our Lord. Because what can it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? That's how Mark describes it in Mark chapter 8. What good does it have to, to, to leave this world with storehouses unfinished, to leave this world with having many, many possessions that moths and rust destroy, but we miss the treasure. We miss this relationship with Jesus. So he's encouraging us, hey, forget all these other things. Forget the worries and the stress of this world. Put your eyes and your hope in this treasure. Incline your ear. Push your heart towards him. Seek after it like a hidden treasure. Why? Well, look what he says next in verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. 
When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. And this parable is one that these fishermen disciples would have known very well. Do you remember back in chapter 4, verse 19, he told us, hey, told the disciples, hey, I will make you fishers of men. Hey, you know what it means to fish. You know what it means to throw the net over and, and pull it in. Now, here's an analogy that gets even deeper because what happens in this, that these people, these fish come up and he sorts them good from the bad. And so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it reminds us of that parable of the weeds where the good seed was planted, but the enemy came in and planted bad seed. And the good seed were the sons of the kingdom, but the bad seed were the sons of disobedience. The good and the evil together in the world, and that's the world that we live in. There's good and there's evil, and they come side by side, and they come into conflict together, and the choice is going to be, do you trust in the treasure, which is Jesus, or are you distracted by the things of this world? Right? Remember in the parable of the sower, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of sin, they, they choke out the plant before it can produce fruit. Right? Maybe we're the rocky soil where we take the word and it just it never gets root in our life. And then all of a sudden, something hard comes, the wind blows, and we fall. Because we are not deep-rooted in what it means to follow Jesus. He's not our treasure. He's just added to our, our list of things that we kind of do and things that we make happen. See, the reality is, it has to be Jesus. And if not, we're evil. If we don't choose to follow Christ with our whole heart, then we're choosing the way of disobedience. And so he tells us that this is sobering thought, that those that don't know Christ, right, those that are evil in the sight of the Lord, that their end will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, that, that their eternity in hell is at stake. So this, this Christmas season, as we have opportunities to talk about Jesus. At a night in Bethlehem, right, we have an opportunity to tell the true story of who Jesus is. It's, it's going to be beautiful. I can't wait. Um, we're going to, every scene is going to be, the people walking through will be meeting a prophet, and that prophet will give them a testimony. You could pray for Riddick, right, one of our youth kids who's going to be Jonah. I mean, diving out of a fish 125 times over a three-day period. He's going to dive out of a fish, right, and proclaim that he was three days and three nights in the fish, and in the same way, Jesus is going to be three days and three nights in the tomb, and yet he is risen. He is risen. So they're going to see this prophecy foretold, and they're going to see fulfillment of that prophecy all the way until the birth of Jesus. And they're going to get to walk with Jesus through this story of his birth, the gospel message being proclaimed. Let's start praying now that that message takes root in people's lives. Let's start living now so that is a reality in our own life because the reality is if we don't know Jesus, our eternity involves weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is why it says it's important for us to understand the fear of the Lord. That there's a, there's a reality to saying yes to Jesus. The reality is saying no. Faith in Jesus is the way that we need to follow. And then verse 51, he closes out with this thought. Jesus asked the disciples, have you understood all of these things? So he looks at the disciples, like, hey, have you understood this? And they're like, yes, right? I mean, he did explain to them, to him, right? 
And so they're like, yes. And so then he says, and he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. And we've seen this word scribe, remember, a couple of different times. And, and this scribe was a person who was, who was a trained in the law. He, he, his job was to, to read the law, to transcribe it, to write commentaries on it. Mark one twenty two says that he, they were teachers because it says Jesus taught with authority unlike the scribes. So they were teachers of the law. They're maintaining the law, studying it. That these scribes, and now Jesus is describing the disciples as a scribe or as a teacher says, for you have been trained in the kingdom of heaven. He's like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, the old and the new, right? And he gives this sort of analogy. We're supposed to bring out the old to show the beauty of God and the new that is at work in Jesus. So it's this picture of this Old Testament, right? This testament of, of covenants and promises and, and prophecies that all of these things need to be taught alongside of the life of Jesus and, and how Jesus' example lives on. And those two things, when they mesh together, give you a true picture of who God is. It's a, since they've been trained now in the Word, they're supposed to bring out these things to show the people of what is most valuable and what is most important. And that can be a sobering thought, can it? That we are called as people who of the word, people of the book. As you've been trained, you know these parables in a better way now. You have a responsibility to tell others about it. It starts in your own home. Then maybe the people that are around you, the people that you work with, that you have an opportunity to tell them, man, I heard this interesting story. What do you think that it means? There's a treasure hidden in a field. And this man sold everything in order to buy this. What do you think that means? And then you have an opportunity to teach about it. And it could feel scary. Like, man, that, that feels like, wait, how can I teach the word of God? I mean, God has equipped you through the Holy Spirit to share this gospel message, to share this story of Jesus with others, the old and the new. And, and this verse just kept popping in my mind as I was thinking about how we would close this out. And it's Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then the Gentile. And let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We're learning parables. We're learning stories. We're going to see those things become personal in our life. Let's be real with the people that are around us and invite them in to treasure Jesus. We have the ultimate treasure. We have the ultimate gift this Christmas season. Man, what a better gift than to have Jesus Christ become our Lord and Savior. So let's encourage people. I'm encouraging you as you go out, tell other people about this beautiful reason that we celebrate Christmas. The reason for the season is truly this gift of Jesus. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these parables, Lord, that teach us these timeless lessons about who you are, Lord. You are our treasure. Lord, help us to put you in your proper place in our life. Lord, if there's anything in our life that is competing for number one, Lord, I pray that you will help us to put those in their proper place. Lord, help us to truly elevate who you are and the way that we see our life, the way that we show grace and love to others. Lord, I pray that you help us to be real with the people that are around us so we can show them the messy beauty of living a life for Christ. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. It's great to have you back. And I, I think you were just showing people how to do a parkour rollover, right? Like, uh, yeah, sure, sure, okay. <laughs>
parkour. So um, as you make your way out, church, I just want to bring your attention to a couple of um, events or um, activities that are going to be taking place. So this week on Tuesday, we're going to empty the container for night in Bethlehem, and we'll start at 10 a.m. So if you are able to come help us, we want to go ahead and get the sets, um, all the, the the framing and the walls laid out to the areas. That way, next Sunday, right after third service, when we start to build it, we'll already have those things in place. Also, we're, uh, we usually give about 3,000 cookies away during night in Bethlehem, and we need about, um, after first service, maybe now just about 40 dozen. So if you are interested in helping make some sugar cookies, there are sign-up sheets out on the table, and we would love for you to sign up for, for that. And then last but certainly not least, we have a mission trip that we go on every year in uh, the spring break week, during the spring break week. And we go to Honduras, so we're going to be leaving um, Sunday, March the 10th, and we'll return that Friday. It's an opportunity for us to be able to go and minister to our brothers and sisters up in the mountains. And I have uh, application and information for you if you're interested. Um, you can see me at the table. And um, this is the verse for you to make your way out. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So, yes, amen. Go out in the power of the Lord. God bless you.